Well, good morning and welcome to Springbrook Community Church. We're so glad you're here with us today and we're going to do things a little differently. I'm going to start out with a message uh, this morning at the top of our service and we're going to dismiss the kids uh, at their usual time. We're going to jump right in to God's Word. We're in the midst of a series entitled Cries of the Heart, studying the book of Psalms. Let's do a little bit of review first. Uh, Psalm 19, 7 through 9 is what we studied last week. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 9. Let's, uh, let me read that through. Uh, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous all together. God's Word is what we feed upon. August uh, memory verse is Psalm 119, verses 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And we encourage you to meditate and memorize on that verse as we move throughout August. This is our source of spiritual strength. And we want to continue to encourage you to spend a daily time with God. We call it a daily office 10, 20, 30 minutes, whatever God leads you to do, to spend time praying, meditating on God's Word, and cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus. One of the key problems that we have in the evangelical church in America is that people come out to services, which is great, and they hear the teaching there, and they listen to radio broadcasts, and that's great, but they sometimes never get into God's Word on a regular basis and go one-on-one with Jesus. And therefore, they never cultivate that meaningful, life-changing relationship that really is the core of the Christian life. So we continue to encourage you to have that daily office. And don't worry if you miss two days or two weeks or two months, you know. Just get back into it and make it a regular part of your life. So the takeaway last week was meditate on God's Word in your daily office. Now, the next psalm that we're going to be looking at is a cry of praise. Psalm 100, a very well-known psalm. If you guys could stand with me at this time, we're going to read it together. Psalm 100, read along with me. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. And we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good, His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray together. Lord, thank You.
for the joy this morning we have to come and study your word. And I pray, Lord, that as we walk away from the day that you would have spoke to us and that we would have a new desire especially to praise you. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. just want to take a moment here to reflect upon our heart-strong vision, the first part of it, because we're talking about worship today. Worship God together and worship God one on one. This flows out of Luke 27. And Luke 27 states, Jesus Christ answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. The whole idea here is that we are to love God with everything that we have got. Every fiber of our being, we love God with. And that's what worship is. Worship is properly responding to God, whether we be here in a worship gathering or whether we be at home dealing with the family or at work. Worship is a lifestyle 24-7. Whenever, we, whenever we're properly responding to God, He is pleased with that. And so worship is. We're living sacrifices unto Him. Now, we've been talking a lot about the daily office and making that time with God a priority, and it's part of our heart-strong vision, worshiping God one-on-one. That's why we're really putting a focus on it. But today we want to specifically talk about worshiping God together. How do we do that? How do we approach our time that we're in the midst of right now? We want to worship God better together. Now, let's take a look at Psalm 100, the structure of it. This is a praise psalm. As you study the psalms, and I'm sure others have brought this up while I was gone, there are different types of... Of Psalms. This is a praise psalm, and there's a pattern to a praise psalm. First of all, the psalmist tells you how you should praise God, and then he tells you why you should praise God, what should motivate you to praise God. So let's look at how Psalm 100 is structured. First of all, how? Make a joyful noise to the Lord. That's how you should do it. All the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. That's how we do worship. Now, why should we do that? What's the motivation? Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Now we go to verse 4. How, again, how do we worship? Enter His gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. That's how we're to worship him, with thanksgiving and praise. Now, why should we worship him? For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. That, again, is the why. Now, Psalm 104 states, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. This psalm speaks of public worship. What you can imagine is 
the Israelites entering onto the temple grounds, the temple court, they called it, that surrounded the holy temple, that no one went into it except for the priests. And so that's where they sang. That's where they were taught. That's where they had their worship services. So the psalmist is saying, when you come to the temple, come with a thankful and praise-filled heart. And that's why this psalm is so particular to how we come into our worship gatherings here at Springbrook. So what's the takeaway? The takeaway for today, guys, in our worship gatherings, communicate to other people your excitement about God. In our worship gatherings, communicate to other people your excitement about God. We are spectators here in America. We, we go to all different types of events, sporting events and theater events, other types of programs, and usually we just sit there and watch. Well, it's different when you come into a worship gathering because we're all active participants in the worship gathering. You, you play a real critical role here today because other people are watching you. Now, don't get paranoid or anything. Okay, but it's just like any social situation. Other people kind of picking up the vibe, one might say. And the question is, what's the vibe here at Springbrook when we're worshiping together? You send off a vibe. I mean, if you're just kind of disinterested and out of it, people are going to pick up that vibe if they're sitting nearby you. But but if you're engaged, if you're listening, and if you're actively involved and interested in what's going on, that is going to make an impact on other people who are worshiping. So I want to talk to you about your role. And the theme again is that when you come on the weekends to worship, you need to you need to have an excitement about worshiping God. And that needs to be picked up by other people. We'll do some practice as well. This is going to be a workout today. We're going to be talking through this passage, and then we're going to be practicing what this passage says. So let's look at Psalm 101. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Other passages say, shout to the Lord. In fact, this is actually a battle cry. Do you guys remember the battle of Jericho? The people of Israel were moving into the promised land, and they had all these cities they had to overtake, and the first significant city was Jericho. Massive walls. Impenetrable, really. How are they ever going to do this? Well, God gave them some very unusual instructions. They were to walk around Jericho seven different times. And they were both supposed to blow trumpets and shout to the Lord. Now, they trusted God. They had no idea how that was going to happen. But they walked around seven different times. And we read in Psalm or excuse me, in Joshua 6.16. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Shout! It was a battle cry. And I think what we pick up from this is the fact that we need to be intense in our worship, just like we would be in a battle. And there's a certain nervousness and excitement in battle. Same type of thing in worship. We need to anticipate what God is going to do in our lives. We need to shout. 
we need to let God know that we are excited. I don't know about you, but growing up, you kind of got the impression, depending on what church you went to, that you were supposed to be quiet when you came into the house of God. Now the kids are rowdy in the car. and Okay, we're coming into God's house. You need to be quiet. Don't run. All right? When you go into the auditorium, I want you to be totally respectful. This is God's house. As a kid, you're thinking, God must be pretty old and we don't want to wake him up or something. I don't know. (laughs) Silence. It's interesting as you study through... The book of the Psalms, it never talks about silence in a good way when you're worshiping. The only time it talks about silence is when there's death and judgment, as in Psalm 115:17. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. <laughs> now, of course, silence is an important part of worship. We're reflective and silent during communion and certain times of prayer, or we practice silence here in our worship services. But the important thing we see in Scripture, the majority of the time, we are to be active. The majority of the time, we're supposed to speak out and be joyful and celebrate what God has done. So let's uh, take a look here at Psalm 101 again. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Shout to the Lord. Shout to the Lord. Uh, make a joyful noise. There's all different types of ways we can make noise to the Lord. We've got wonderful instruments up here that we'll be experiencing later. Our voices are a way to make a noise to the Lord. And some of you are saying, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm making a noise. I can't call it singing. But do you realize that God gave you that voice? Now, why would God give you a voice if he didn't want you to use it in praise to him? I would encourage you to take it up a notch when you're singing. Take it up a notch where you feel a little bit self-conscious because when you sing, other people sing. Because the majority of people don't feel like they have a good voice. That's just the truth. So what does that mean? Nobody's going to sing, right? Well, we've all got to sing. We've all got to engage because God wants to hear your voice. And it says all the earth. So it's not just for teenagers and young people to sing out loud and and be demonstrative in their worship. It's just not talking about people who are charismatic in their worship. It's talking about everybody. You need to shout to the Lord. Now, what do we typically shout in our lives? I think most of the time, in a positive sense, when we shout, uh, it's watching sporting events. How many have actually, while watching the Olympics, have gotten out of your chair and cheered? Anybody out there? Okay, excellent. All right, so maybe it was Gabby Douglas, maybe it's Michael Phelps, maybe it's the women's swimming or volleyball team, or I don't know, whoever your favorite athlete or sport is where America came out on top. Yeah, it's just been fascinating to watch the Olympics. How many of you have been at a soccer game where you were playing or... You're watching your children play, your grandchildren play, and you shouted and cheered. Of course. Yeah, we're definitely going to do that. How many of you this year 
have actually stood up and shouted and cheered for the Chicago White Sox. All right. All right. How many of you have recently stood up and shouted and cheered for the Chicago Cubs? Yeah. Come on. Come on, guys. All right. All right. Eight-game losing streak. But, hey, they won on Friday. That is a reason to get up and shout and celebrate the Cubs. Right? It's very interesting when uh, you think about your behavior or you're watching athletics and how you respond. Then you come in the church like, okay, you know, we're going to get into our worship mode. We're reflective. And we're pensive and we're quiet. That's not what the Word of God says. He says, shout to the Lord. So, we're going to get some practice this morning. I want you all to stand up for a moment. Okay? Everybody stand up. All right. And we're going to, we're going to give a, a cheer to God. A cheer to God. Now, there's so many things to cheer God about. But let's just think about a moment. If you're a Christ follower, if you've made that decision to put your faith in Christ, and you are a child of His. Just think about that for a moment. That is something amazing. So I, I want you to say, yay, God. Okay, I'm going to go one, two, three, and then I want you all to say, yay, God. Are you ready? One, two, three. Yay, God! Oh, that was really good. One more time. One, two, three. Yay, God! Oh, God loves that. What are you doing? You're shouting, to the Lord, right? Good job. You can take a seat there. We'll get some more practice with that. But yeah, that was impressive. I, I lifted my spirits. No doubt about that. <laughs> All right. Uh, and next says, serve the Lord with gladness. This is another worship response. In fact, the word for worship and serve are the same. So again, anytime we're properly responding to God, we're so thankful for our KOTK workers. The fact that they take time to come and serve our children, to teach them about the Lord and lead them in worship. And we would encourage you to, to step into ministry there. If you're not sure where to go, uh, KOTK is a wonderful place uh, to be. In fact, we have a back-to-school bash. you see there in your programs. We need some more people to help with that. That might be a great first serve to give you a taste of that. And while we're talking about KOTK, uh, we're going to release our children now. So if you could all stand up. Everybody stand up again. All right, getting your exercise today. All right, might feel like an uh, old church you used to go to. <laughs> all right, so kids, you are dismissed. All right, you guys can leave right now. Unless you really want to stay because this is so good. <laughs> and let's give them a cheer while they leave. One, two, three. Uh, it's a little muddy. All right. Thanking God for our kids. One, two, three. That's yeah. uh, still weak. I don't, maybe it was the kids who were... I think that was it. Because I was really kind of blown away. I mean, what's going on here? I think it was the kids. I think they were kind of masking things here. So I'm not as impressed as I thought I was. Okay. So now that the kids are gone, we've got to amp it up here. Ready? One, two, three. Yeah. Uh, that's just a little below where you were, okay? One, two, three. Yeah. Okay, now we're good. Thank God for our kids and the people who serve them. 
All right, come into his presence with singing. Oh, you may be seated. <laughs> You're lucky with me, I wouldn't notice it, and you'd be standing the whole service. Come into his presence with singing. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Now, that's the, 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 the how. Now, we're going to talk about the why. Why should we worship God in this way? Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. This is so important in our theology. This is why we worship God. Lord is Yahweh, the personal name for God. And the idea of God being the creator speaks of the Trinity. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He made us. God made you and me. You know why God made us? He made us for His pleasure to enjoy us. Now, sometimes we get that kind of turned around in our heads. We think that God made us so that we could enjoy pleasure. No, no, that's not the main reason. Now, He does bless us with pleasure. But the main reason He made us was that we might be for His pleasure. He created us. He controls our, our very lives. I want everybody to take a big uh, breath in. Breath out. Ready? More time. You know, those two breaths were from God. He gave you those two breaths. Plus every breath that you've taken since you came out of the womb. Since the doctor spanked you to get you breathing, right? And every breath until you die, God gives you. Every moment of your life is a gift from God. That's a reason to praise Him. Ready? One, two, three. Caught unaware, okay? One, two, three. That's right. But we'll keep working on it. God is our Creator. Then it goes on to say in this passage, that his, uh, it is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Lou Petrie taught on Psalm 23 while I was gone and talked about how Jesus Christ, or God, is a gentle shepherd. He's the great shepherd, and the shepherd cares for his sheep. I want you to think for a moment of someone in your life who incredibly cares about you. That might be somebody who is deceased. Your mom, your dad, your spouse, uh, brother or sister, another relative, friend... Who is it? I want you to imagine that person in your mind, the person who is so concerned about you, the person who sacrificed for you, the person who is your rock. Who is that person? Right? And kind of just take a moment to drink that in and to feel their love for you. Okay, you got that? Are you feeling that? Okay. Now, friends. The way you're feeling toward that person is how you can feel about God. 
but just multiply it by a thousand times. Because the way that person cares for you is just a taste of how much God cares for you. Right? Think about how much that person cares for you. And then that's just a taste of how much God loves you, how much God cherishes you, how much God wants to help you and carry you through this life. Isn't that beautiful? No doubt. No doubt. Well, let's continue on here in Psalm 100. Again, we'll talk about this pattern. He goes back into how we should praise God. He just gave us the reason we should praise God, that God's a creator and he's our shepherd. Now, how should we praise God? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. So we're to be filled with thanksgiving and we're to praise God and bless his name. And it goes into the why, verse 5. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Now, let's take a look at the why first. For the Lord is good. The Lord is good. We are sinful people. We hurt each other. As we reflect upon our lives, we can all think of people who have hurt us very deeply. People who have wronged us, sinned against us, abused us, betrayed us. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was one of your relatives. Somebody at work. But you're, you still feel the pain of that. Now here's the good news. God is good. God will never let you down. God will never do anything evil against you. Just imagine if God said in His Word, 99% of the time, I am a good God. But 1% of the time, I'm evil. But hey, (laughs) come on. 1% of the time... How how would that impact your trust in God? It would impact my trust in God greatly. Because I'm thinking, I don't want to catch him in the 1% part of uh, his response to me. But you see, God is 100% good. I know some of you are saying, well, Dan, <laughs> my life has been very difficult lately and I think if God really were so good, he would have done something to help me out. Well, again, we just need to be reminded that the reason we struggle, the reason we have pain is because of sin, because of the curse on this world, because we are sinners and we sin against people and sin against, we sin against other people, they sin against us, and then we sin and consequences come our way. It's true that God allows this type of suffering that results from sin into our lives that draws close to Him. But God is not the author of sin. That just doesn't square with who God is. So, 
this is where you have to take the leap of faith. I don't understand how God is good in this situation, but I know that he's good. And some way, somehow, this is going to work out for his will. And his goodness will be seen in some way. And friends, his, his goodness is not going to be fully realized until we're in heaven. This life is going to be filled with suffering. You can just expect it. You have to, you have to accept the fact that you're going to suffer. Next year, this year you're going to suffer. Next year you're going to suffer. The different degrees, that's just the nature of life. The sin-filled world. But you can count on the fact that God is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. This is just a beautiful phrase that we find in the Old Testament over and over. It's translated loving kindness in some translations. Loving kindness. It's the idea of a commitment that God has to us to love us, to have an affection and passion for us that endures forever, a faithfulness that endures forever. The ancient Israelites were bird watchers. They loved to watch the birds and have the high-power binoculars and all the gear, but they watched the birds. And certain birds they were disgusted with, like the ostrich. What the ostrich would do is it would uh, lay its eggs wherever happened to be convenient, even in the middle of a path. So it would just lay its egg and sit there. Well, that's all fine until the predator comes along and then the ostrich is out of there. They hated the ostrich. Didn't protect its young. Now, the stork, oh, they admired the stork because the stork was very careful in protecting its young. What the stork would do is it would build its nest in a tall tree or on the side of a cliff the crags of a cliff. And if a predator came along, the stork would stay until death. And that is how they imagine God's loving kindness, a loyal love. In fact, the word in the Hebrew for loving kindness is hesed. And what they did with the word for stork is they played with some of the vowels, and they came up with Hesedah because they saw the love of God in the stork, and that's why they named him that way. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, God's loving kindness. So in the midst of whatever crisis you might be in today, you've got to realize that God is good and that God has an incredible love for you that is going to be pure and enduring forever. And you can hold on to that. If you can't hold on to anything else in life, you can hold on to that. I think that's something to celebrate, right? So I think we need a yay God. One, two, three. Yay God! One more time. One, two, three. Yay God! Excellent job. All right. So that's a why. So we're saying, hey, okay. That's why I should praise God. So how am I supposed to do it? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. So we're to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts 
with praise. We're talking about thankfulness here. What is thankfulness? Well, thankfulness is the idea of publicly declaring why you're grateful to God. Publicly declaring what God has done for you. I'll tell you what God has done for me. He gave me an incredible wife. Lori celebrated a birthday yesterday. So I'm thinking more about the blessing she is to me. She's my rock. She's my confidant. She's my partner. And raising three kids and doing ministry and doing life. Uh, she comforts me. She encourages me. God knew that Dan Harrison needed a lorry. He really did, because I'm quite a case. And as I reflect upon the years, 23 and a half that we have been married, it becomes even more clear each year why God gave Lori to me. He's somebody special. And I'm so thankful for her. And God did it. That's what Thanksgiving is. God did it. Now, praise takes it to another level. It's kind of like an excited boasting. This past summer, as I shared last week, we had a chance to visit Gettysburg. How many have been to Gettysburg? Great. It's a wonderful place. Several of you lived in that area. The Bloodies have lived uh, in that area. In fact, he loaned me his audio tour. And we went there. And I've always wanted to go to Gettysburg. And my family's not into history. <laughs> when they were growing up, at least. And so I, every time we went past an historical marker, no, Dad, we're not going to see the historical marker. <laughs> and so uh, they love Gettysburg, though. Even if you're not a history buff, Gettysburg just, oh, it's just so solemn. It's, it's so fascinating. To be there on the spot where this battle took place and over 7,000 died, 28,000 wounded. And uh, hear what happened at that location, especially here in the north when the south was trying to move in uh, to the north. Certainly one of the turning points of the war. And so we had this audio guide. And if you have little kids, I would suggest you pay the $75 for... uh, regular guide to come along with you, a park guide. Uh, just keeps your attention better. But they have a great museum. It's a fascinating museum. One of the best I've seen in terms of a smaller type uh, museum. I, I just say, tell you and encourage you, put it on your bucket list, whatever, get to Gettysburg. I was boasting about Gettysburg, right? Got to go there. Just like all of us boast about restaurants, right? You go to a great restaurant, hey, oh, you got to check out. This new restaurant. Chick-fil-A. Oh, you got to go there, right? <laughs> the best chicken sandwiches. Uh, you boast about uh, movies uh, that you see, right? You see a good movie. You know, you put it on Facebook and tell everybody about it. We need to boast about God and tell people how wonderful God is. You know, one thing that I boast in relationship to God is what happened last spring here. And we had our HeartStrong Vision campaign. And our congregation stepped up and they made pledges over $600,000 to support our ministry as well as to expand our ministry. In fact, Jeff Osborne sitting back here got the day off in a sense. 
He's not on stage yet. Knee surgery uh, or a torn ACL. You're going to be praying for his recovery. But 25% of the monies that go to HeartStrong support his ministry here among us. So thank you so much for your commitment. I know it's not easy. We've got a lot of financial demands. We've already brought in over $100,000. So we're so thankful to God. And I think that's worth a yay, God. Ready? One, two, three. Yay, God. Amen. All right, now we're going to give you a chance to praise uh, the Lord. We've got some mics. Some